You can open up your Bible, open up your app. Your app is not Tetris. Okay. So if you shout at the rock, what's that? Oh, that's all, yeah. But um, in other words, you know, if you yell at the wrong time, we know that something's going on. You're playing a video game and uh, that's, yeah. So I don't even know if that's a thing anymore to play that. But anyway, Proverbs, the fourth chapter. This is our third week, uh, third week of the year, weekend, and uh, first third Sunday. But we started a series called um, Matters of the Heart. And um, we're going to uh, look here in the 23rd verse. And this verse right here is super enlightening. Everybody should think in line with this. So many people want changes in their life and they don't realize changes really start in the heart. Even though in your spirit you get made brand new when you accept the Lord, life, spiritual life comes in you. Really the governing thing of, a, of human existence is the heart, the core, the way we will it things. That in other words, it helps us to yield and, and give way to things, close up to things, whether good or bad. And so here in Proverbs 23, or 4th chapter, 23rd verse, it says, Keep your heart, some translations read, guard, guard, guard your heart. Why do you have guards at prisons? Why do we have guards in different places? Uh, for protection, for safety, uh, to, to preserve something. And so when he said, guard your heart, he's saying there's an element of personal responsibility to preserve my own heart. It's not on God. It's not the devil. A lot of it has to do with me. Now, I understand we're to, we, we cooperate with God and things like that. But when he said, guard your heart, then that's me doing the guarding. Are you with me? And, and you know, that means I got to be careful not to fall asleep on the job. Uh, or else, you know, something could occur that I look back on and think, how'd that occur? You know, what's going on? And uh, if I realized I had a responsibility to guarding my heart, I could have done something. You know, the Bible said when the Lord comes back, there will be a lot of people who will be caught like a thief in the night. And even though they'll see all the signs and everything happening in the world, if they, the Bible said if they would have known when the thief was coming, and it's a picture of Jesus' return, he said, if they would have known when the thief was about to show up, they would have been waiting. I mean, isn't that the plan? I mean, if, if a thief's coming to your house, you're not going to open the doors and windows and go to sleep? No, you're going to get the kitchen knife out. You're going to close the doors and windows and lock and barricade your bedroom, you know, or get out your gun. You're going to guard your house, aren't you? You're going to guard your house. You're going to guard your life. I mean, you may have a shovel. I don't know what you've got. 
But when we're talking about guarding, you're going to guard. Some of you are acting like you wouldn't. Just come on in, take everything. No, we'd guard. We would guard. And so he said that, that the Lord's return, people won't be guarding or being prepared and watching. Well, it's similar. He said we need to guard our heart. One, one exhortation in the Bible that tells us if we don't guard our heart, we'll fall asleep spiritually. And so there's an interesting thought in this scripture here in verse 23. It says, keep or guard your heart with all diligence. Mean, means you just have to be methodical about it. Purposeful about it. Uh, not, maybe not everybody is, but we ought to be. And it says this, for, and th this is the reason why you would. I mean, wouldn't you invest, uh, watch your investments? And if you had something on some stock market or something, and all of a sudden it started crashing and people are like, that thing can go out of business, wouldn't you do something to, to change things, pull your money out or do something? And so, why? Because we want a return. We, we want the best. And here he said, for out of it flow, we get a return. Or we don't get a return. For he said, for out of it flow the issues of life. If you look in the Hebrew, and anybody can do that, uh, you know, we look at it online. One of the meanings of the word here, uh, issues of life, somebody said, I got plenty of issues. That's not what he's talking about. But in one sense, he is talking about issues. You know, we can eliminate some issues if we guard our heart. But really, you could read it like this, the, the way we experience life or the boundaries or borders. Of our life. In other words, we put boundaries or borders or fences around our house so certain things can't get in and certain things can't get out. Are you with me? When we were young, uh, where we lived, we had an easement behind our house. It was just a small one in between the two. Uh, there was a housing development on the back, and it was only probably 12 feet, 15 feet deep ran the whole length, and it went all the way up the neighborhood. So when we were kids, we could just sneak up and down through the neighborhood. That was great. But what people realized was that their, their property, you know, you could have more property if you move that fence back. So people just started moving the fence back. And people then would plant gardens and do things, and it just expanded their yard. Well... How many people want to expand their life into some better territory? How many of us want to get out of some t territory, things that we're experiencing? He's basically telling us, guard our heart, do something with our heart, and when we do, uh, we can change the experience of our life. Jesus said these types of things all the time. He, he often challenged people at a heart level. He said, where's your heart faith? You know, he would say, do you believe this? And we know that believing, the Bible said, with the heart man believes. So every time he would ask people, do you believe? Because the Bible said, with the heart you believe, 
he was saying, if you can believe or believe with your heart, all things become possible. You can expand your experience with God. Some people think, well, isn't our experience with God based on God? Well, yes and no. In other words, if God has done things so that we can experience and walk with him at a big level, but if my heart is closed, it's not going to happen. And so we need to understand that the parameters, parameters of our life can be expanded in a good way if we watch our heart. Are you with me? And so when he said, guard your heart, uh, then we need to guard our heart. But, you know, how do I guard it? What do I do? What, what, what areas do I guard it in? What, what things are important? And we can't decide these on our own. Because if we could decide them on our own, I guarantee you we'd probably have about as many opinions as people in this room. And the person you're next to would come to a different conclusion. So the only way is to realize the standard is through the Word of God. Not human experience, because human experience changes. It does. It changes often. And depending on the climate, uh, it changes here, it changes there. And so, turn with me, if you will, to 1 John 4. And we're going to talk about an area we need to guard or to establish in our hearts. And um, we're going to talk today some about the love of God. Now understand this as you're turning there to 1 John 4. Love is a hard issue, but, but we have to cooperate with love. And I think there's a couple of things that are, are important when it comes to talking about love. This love is not for the world, meaning for them to walk in. This love we're about to talk about is love for the believer to walk in. But the idea of walking in this kind of love is based on our experience of God having loved us first. The Bible tells us, you know, we didn't love God first. He loved us, and therefore we reciprocate love. And it's interesting when in the Bible, like in Ephesians, it tells us, husbands, love your wives. But he didn't just say, love your wives. He said, love them based on the experience that you have of Christ loving you as part of the body of Christ. So when we're commanded to love, it's, it, it's a mimicking or an action based on an experience that we are to have with God. This is why I said this is not a way of the world. And um, God wants us to experience his love. Now, I'm not saying, you know, his love is like a hug. Because we need more than a hug sometimes. Amen. But there can be something in our lives that can affect us and we experience his love. You know, greater love has nobody or no man except the person who will lay down his life. That's the greatest kind of love. And so that's the kind of love God has. That's the kind of love we're to experience. 
and you know, it's it's something that you can't convey to a lost person, somebody who doesn't know the Lord. I remember I used to witness to this friend of mine. We grew up together, uh, not, well, from about junior high on, and then I gave my life to the Lord, so I'd tell him, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. And he'd pro- he was thinking, oh, brother, here we go again. And I mean, I'm like, come on, you know, do this. Uh, I'm like, you don't understand what you're missing. But there's no way to communicate that. There's no way if, if, if somebody's had Chinese food, how can I communicate what Chinese food is like? It's got these noodles. What's a noodle? It's kind of like spaghetti. Well, then why don't we just eat spaghetti? Well, they're different. They have some that are called glass noodles. Well, that doesn't sound good. You know, how do you communicate? Oh, but the flavors are, they have this thing called sweet and sour. This. I don't want something that's sweet and sour. How can it be sweet? And you're trying to, here, eat it. (laughs) Decide on your own. But this friend, I would tell him, here, you need to give your life to the Lord. and and, And finally, one day, he turned on Christian TV, and the, right when he turned it on, he, had, he was living in the world, turned it on, the preacher just said, you need to give your life to the Lord. He thought he was hearing from me again. And he said, just bow down right where you are. So my friend did, right there in front of the TV. And he said, now pray this with me. And my friend prayed it with him. And, and then, this was before, you know, everybody had a cell phone, and he's calling me, trying to get a hold of me. And, you know, he, he's, now he, he's saved and upset. Where are you? Hey, I need to talk to you. Hey. And finally I get a hold of him. He's like, where have you been? I'm like, he's never like that. You know, I'm like, what? He's like, I did it. I'm like, you did what? He's like, I did that prayer thing. I gave my life to the Lord. I'm like, awesome. He's like, no, you don't understand. I'm like, no, I do understand. He's like, no, you don't. And I'm like, no, that's what I was trying to get across to you. You can't understand until you understand. He goes, no, this is what happened. This, and he told me the story, but he said, when I knelt down to pray, he said, something came inside of me. He said, it's still there. Well, of course, the Bible said, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he said, it's in me. He said, God's in me. Now, it wasn't that he always experienced him, but he was always there. And, um, you know, there's something to be said about experiencing God's love for us. And some people uh, think, you know, his love is a hug or whatever, but, it, it, but it's more than that. It's his life coming in you, and there's a fullness in that life, in your spirit. But God wants us to bring forth that life. And one of the main ways we will bring forth or give way to the life of God as a believer through us and let it come out is by walking in love. Not in a love. Now, here's the thing. Somebody who doesn't know the Lord can imitate this, but it doesn't bring forth what we're talking about. 
They can imitate, okay, I'll forgive or I'll do this, but it's not bringing forth because they haven't had that initial experience and had the love of God put in them. And, and, and we need to understand, there's a verse that's probably fairly popular to a lot of people. If you've been a Christian a little time, uh, I, I'm going to quote Galatians 5.6. Somebody might say, I think, you know, that that's this. You know, it says, in Christ Jesus, certain activities don't prevail, but faith, which works by love. Well, if you read that, you would think that, well, my car works by gas, so faith works by love. But if you read the context and you read other translations, you'll see something that's completely uh, not that. It says our faith is expressed or brought forth when we walk in love. In other words, our faith, our, our walk with God is shown and seen. Our experience with him is seen by others when we walk out this love. That's huge. Because then I, well, I can be a better witness than just by walking in love. Jesus said this in John 13, 34. He said, I'm giving you a new commandment. And then he said, it's love. And he said, love, based on this aspect, the way I've loved you. Same thing. We, we have an experience of life and love when we walk with him and when we give our life to him. But he said, by this all people are going to know you're my disciples. In other words, by us walking in this love, it will be advertisement that will distinguish us from anybody else in the world. Are you with me? But it's more than just advertisement. Now, I hopefully you're there in 1 John 4, verse 8. Actually, we'll, we'll read in verse 7. Beloved... So he's writing to believers, people who have given their life to the Lord, beloved. And that, those are terms that God looks at us with. Those who have surrendered their life, have received Christ. God looks at us like that. You know, we may not always look at ourselves like that, but God looks at us like we're beloved. And he said, beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is of God. That's a huge statement. The origin of this kind of love is from God. There's a lot of kinds of love in the world, you know, but, you know, or definitions of love, but there is one specific kind of love that only comes from God and that is only the way of God or his design. You know, there's a lot in the world. If you love me, you'll let me do this. Well, is that God's kind of love? You know, there's a lot of different definitions. We have a city, you know, in, in uh, the United States, Philadelphia. I have Philadelphia cream cheese. The cream cheese of brotherly love. 
Okay, I don't know if that's... Philadelphia, though, comes from the word phileo in the Greek, which is literally brotherly love. And that's why they call Philadelphia, maybe they're going to change the name, the city of brotherly love. Um, you know, just like Los Angeles is the city of angels. M maybe they need to change that name, too. And Anyway, don't want to get too far off here. But notice he said, love is of God. Love's origin, true love, comes from God. And really, it's an examinable thing from God. And something that can be experienced from him. And he said, love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God. And knows God. Notice if you walk in love and have this love in you, you're going to know God. Well, when you know love, you know God. And then he goes on to say, He who does not love does not know God. Wow. How well do I want to know God? As a believer, how well do I want to know God? He who does not love does not know God. So right on the other hand, he who loves knows God. Gets to know him. And he goes on to say, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. It's an interesting verse. Now turn back to the third chapter, and we're going to look at a couple of things here about the love of God that I believe would be helpful for any believer. If there's anything that needs to be emphasized, one of the pinnacle things or the highest things for a believer is love. God's love toward us and our love toward others. It's some of the biggest thing, you know. Somebody said, faith moves mountains. Yeah, it does. But the Bible said, now abides faith, hope. Bible said we need hope as an anchor to secure our mind from getting all messed up in these days. So people might think faith is the victory and hope will help our mind. What could be greater? And he said, now abides faith, hope, and love. And so he didn't leave it up to discussion. He said the greatest of these is love. He didn't say, you know, that it's the only thing you need, but he said it's the greatest. And, and so of these, maybe not the greatest of everything, but it is a big thing. When we get to heaven, you know how people are going to be up there? They're going to be loving. They're going to be in an atmosphere of love. There will be nobody that will be bitter against anybody else. Amen. Thy will be done on earth like in heaven. But we know it's not all going to be that way. Not till the Lord comes back because there the Bible said evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. And the love of many will wax cold. 
Wax means, you know, when they made candles back then, they didn't go to the store and get, you know, whatever the numbers were for your birthday and just have a candle, you know, or you go get the trick candles that don't blow out. When they wanted candles, they made candles. And when when they used the term wax cold, it literally is a term they used back then they would, like if you go to Sedona, they have candle makers up there. They, they dip a string in wax, and every time they dip it, it gets a little thicker and a little thicker and a little thicker until there's a bunch of wax on there, and we've got a candle. And he said, the love of many will wax cold in the last days. It just a little by little, it won't be what it should be. But how many of you know that doesn't change that that God doesn't want his love to be manifest in homes and individuals, and we can keep ourselves from waxing cold and waxing uh, hard toward love. One way to do it is to hear the truth and hear God's dealings and respond to them. Amen. So right here, 1 John, the third chapter, and we'll look in the 14th verse. It says this, we know that we've passed from death to life. This this is when a person gives their life to the Lord. This is not a religious experience. This is a reality, a living reality, that when a person uh, receives Christ into their life and makes him Lord, not a bunch of rules, not a bunch of do this and do that. The Bible tells us it's by his grace or literally a free gift you receive this, not by your works. So you could be a dirtbag, people would say. You could be the meanest of the mean and, and the most hateful, the most undeserving And God will do this for you and change you and revolutionize your life and love you. And you would experience his love, his gift. But what is he saying here? We know that we passed from death to life. So he's writing to believers. We know we have. How do we know we've passed from death to life? Now you understand this can't be physical death. And it can't be natural life because... We have people that come down front and pray at different times or, and, and receive the Lord, and, and we don't go, whoa, look at them. They, they were dead, and now they're alive. No, they, but because it's not an outward death, and it's not an outward life. It's an inward death when Adam and Eve sinned. In the day you do that, you'll die, and then you'll cause spiritual death to come to humanity. They did it. And the only way to fix it is to receive the free gift, and then God does the work, and you get eternal life. And it can happen just by coming down and receiving the Lord and praying a simple prayer. And and so when he said this right here, we know that we've passed from death unto life. Now, your experience may be different than mine. mine. Mine happened when I was a little kid in my mom and dad's bedroom. Me and my brother prayed. My friend prayed in his living room, you know, I prayed with different people, like at a gas station, different gas stations in the ocean, on ski lifts. I mean, you name it, people can do this. They can pass from spiritual death unto spiritual life. But he said there's a mark or a signaling 
that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. So this life in us will begin to try to drive us to love one another. Are you with me? It will drive us to love God first. And to make him a priority in our life and his things a priority in our life. Why? Because the verse we quoted earlier, we didn't love him first. He first loved us and therefore we love him in return. Well, why? Because that life comes in us and it's beyond our minds. It's in our spirits. And if we'll pay attention, it will drive us. It will guide us. And out of that life is love. Now notice this. We know that we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. That's spiritual death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. So maybe we should keep the word I hate that person, I hate that person out of our vocabulary. Maybe if the world uses that, don't you just hate them? No, no, no. I'm not a murderer. Uh, who? Just certain people? No, he said whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Notice the connection to eternal life and that life expression is love. And uh, wow, this could get pretty sticky here. By this, verse 16, notice don't have eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love because he laid down his life and we also as a response ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That's pretty, pretty hardcore. You know, that brings up the question of uh, Christians who say, well, I don't like that person or I'm unforgiving toward that person. And he said, then you're a murderer. You don't have eternal life. But what happens is there's a conflict here. There's a minister that I have had known. He's gone to be with the Lord. And I heard him tell this story that one time he was preaching, he was reading this verse in a church. And when he read across there about forgiving uh, your brother, he said, he said he hadn't ever said it before. He just blurted out, well, that means mother-in-law too. <laughs> and he just kept going. Just, uh. And so after the service, he was a guest speaker at this church. And so the polite thing is to do is uh, feed the guest speaker for one. You know, they're traveling and then give them a good offering too because that's what they do, you know. And so they went out to eat and he was there with his wife and this lady was there who, uh, the pastor's wife and the pastor, and uh, as they're eating, she said, you've got me all confused. 
And he just blurted out, no, I didn't get you confused. You were confused before I came. Something I said from the word just brought out your confusion. (laughs) So he said, so what's your problem? She said, well, my problem is I hate my (laughs) mother-in-law. And he said, he said, well, then you're a murderer. And you don't have eternal life. And she said, no, I, I, she said, I remember when I gave my life to the Lord. He said, I don't care what you say. If you don't walk in love, you're a murderer. You, and, and, and she was just so bothered. She said, but I got filled with, I got saved when I was little. Then when I was like eight years old or whatever, I got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues and she said, then I went to Bible school, and she said, I'm the pastor's wife. That doesn't always help either. And, um, and she was just, and he said, he, what he really was doing was he was, said, I was just, I was trying to get her like a boxer on the ropes. He said, well, it doesn't matter how long you spoke in tongues for, or how much Bible school you went to, or how many churches you pastored said, if you hate your mother-in-law, you're a murderer and you do not have eternal life. And she was bothered. And, and she was like, well, you know, and he just finally said, let me help you. Well, she was ready. She was ready to throw in the towel. I'm done for. He said, your problem is you don't hate your mother-in-law. Well, she just got done saying. Now, we're talking about a believer. We're not, we're not talking about an unbeliever. He said, you don't really hate your mother-in-law. He said, your problem is you're letting your unrenewed mind dominate you. And he said, do this with me. He said, just close your eyes right now. And he said, focus inside and say this with me. I hate my mother-in-law. So she said, I hate my mother-in-law. And he said, well, he said, say it again. So she didn't. He said, well, what's happened? She said, something in me scratching me. He said, that's the life of God. That's the love of God trying to not to get your attention. You have it. You're just letting your wrong thinking rule you. Amen. She said this. Well, then what am I going to do? Now understand, unforgiveness is like is hate. Being, being bitter against people. And what happens is when we allow these things in our life, the, the, there's a huge danger beyond what we often think. There's massive danger in allowing unforgiveness to get in our heart. Now understand, the heart is the core way I think and believe. My spirit is beyond that. But if I allow things to get into my heart that don't belong in my heart, what my experience, remember, guard your heart, my experience in life will change. If if, uh, I don't forgive somebody, then there's bitterness there. That person's not going to be able to get in my life. I'm now mad at you. I'm bitter. She, she looked at me funny. 
I'm sure she's got, so I'm like, uh. So now I'm going to, because I'm holding bitterness, every time I see her, I'm walking out that door. Oh, here she comes. I'm walking out that door. I'm going to get busy. I'm looking at this. Okay, she passed. You see what's happening? There's a disconnect. Why? Because something's in me that shouldn't be there. You know, that can work in so many ways. I can have a call, but I can be bitter at the church as a whole. And I don't mean this church, but I mean church as an experience. No, I'm not going there. I'm not going to church because I always get burned when I go there. Well, what that does is now I have bitterness in me. And there's something in my heart. And if something is filling up my heart in an area, then, then something that belongs there can't be there. Because there's, there's no room because i got bitterness. So I won't go to church anymore. But I've got a call to do something. That doesn't negate my call. It doesn't mean I don't have a call to do something, but I've allowed something in my heart, so I'm not going to go to that church. I'm not going to any church because they're all corrupt. Maybe it sounds like I'm a little bitter or something. You know, the Bible said, if you have bitter envying and strife in your heart, he said, do not lie and speak wrong against the truth. If... If I start saying stuff like that about the church, all, all the churches, all the people, I have bitterness in my heart. And I'm lying. I'm speaking against the truth. That's like people who, you know, I've dated these girls. I've been divorced three times. I'll, I'll never get married again. Every man is a whatever. Every woman is this. No, they're not. You're telling me everybody in the world's that way. Every woman's that way. Or every man is that way. Yep. You are deceived. There's at least one halfway decent because there's some that are a quarter decent in here. Okay, more than, than that. But you know what I mean? There are some good people out there and, and we get these things in our heart and what we do when we have that bitterness, we close off things and we don't just do it purposely. But when I'm full of this, there's no room for them. There's no room. My gift needs to come out, but I won't go to church. Because they're a bunch of hypocrites. Or they do this. Or they do that. And so my very own allowance of bitterness reduces my borders of experience. It works with idols. Love does not have idols. Love has God first. But if I have idols, then something else gets a big place in my heart. And when God wants to have some time with me, there's no time for you. I've got this big thing I'm enjoying in life. And love is the solution to both. I mean, it works in all our relationships and everything. It doesn't negate the fact if I have bitterness, it doesn't mean I don't have a gift. It just means I close up opportunities for it to come forth. Amen. I knew we'd be excited. Therefore, one thing that would be good for us is to realize this, and it's a good stance. I'm going to keep bitterness out of me, regardless of anybody else. 
If anybody's got something against me, it's them against me, not me against them. Well, why? Because then the door's always open to them whenever they want to come. But I'm not getting crowded full of junk. Because one thing about bitterness is, and unforgiveness is it's called a root in the Bible. And one thing about roots, being Farmer Dave, well, I have a couple seeds that I planted, so I'm a windowsill farmer, okay? I got an avocado seed and stuff like that. But one thing about it, or pit, because I got to sound proper, um, is that that pit will grow and the roots will just keep growing if they're fed. And what happens is it may start off as I'm just bitter toward, toward churches as a whole and therefore it, I, there's no place for church in me. Therefore, there's no place for me to get these gifts that God's given me out. But it's not going to stop there. It'll keep growing. Because love is of God. Bitterness is not of God. In heaven, there's nobody going to be bitter. It's going to be real nice. I'm going to be nice to everybody finally. I mean, mean everybody's going to be nice to me finally. Now, you know what I mean. When we get there, nobody's going to be bothered by anybody, no matter how people are on the earth. So we need to get it out now. And I'm, t- I'm talking to believers because we've got the life. If we would get beyond our mind, and I'm talking to people who have eternal life, we get beyond our mind, we, we could just start acting like we have love. You know, one of the beautiful things about love and the beauty of walking in love, and when we talk like this, we're not talking like, you know, go to some seminar, you know, some help self-help or some religious seminar and they talk about love I'm talking from a biblical standpoint the way God looks at love there is a beauty to walking in this love there is reward to walking in this love think of how many people have alienated themselves from the church that are saved because they're bitter they've allowed bitterness in and they really have a gift God really loves them, but they're letting their unrenewed mind dominate them. Because here's the thing, we're all going to get offended. We're going to all have an opportunity to have to forgive somebody else. I mean, we're awfully mistaken if we don't think we're going to have to forgive ever as a Christian. But what happens is, is when we start adding up stuff, I've already forgiven them 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 700, 7, You know, it's like the national debt. It just keeps clicking. <laughs> like, whoa, you know, it's on a billboard somewhere. Now they got three billboards wide because it doesn't fit. And now they're erecting, and there's just unforgiveness, unforgiveness. It's clicking, and it starts adding up. Then eventually uh, we become, they, they owe too much. They just owe too much. And you know, forgiveness is used in the term of forgiving money, like forgiving money. And if we're not careful, it just adds up and we get corrupt. But you know what's so interesting? Remember I said this at the beginning, that our experience of forgiveness and walking in love is based on our experience from God. 
One thing God looks at, lost people who are just living totally wrong. This is true as believers. It says he does not add up in 2 Corinthians 5. He does not add up and hold our trespasses against us. So if we're adding up other people's trespasses and holding them against them, we're, we're not walking in love. We're not walking according to the life that we've received as a believer. So we need to start going, okay, I got to get rid of some of these IOUs or you owe me's. I got to get rid of all of them. Remember Dumb and Dumber, the great biblical movie of giving money back to somebody? Remember they, they have millions of dollars and they're riding along and they needed to tap into the money that they were supposed to give back. And finally, when they were about ready to give this ransom back to the family or whatever, it was just full of IOUs. And they're like, well, I wouldn't get rid of this one. This one's a big one. Like we're going to pay it back. But here's the thing. IOUs and you owe me's. We need to take care of the IOU and forgive people of the you owe me. Because what it does, it fills my heart with something and then I'm wanting God to do something in my life, but there's no room because I can't get close because there's something there. Amen. But the beauty of love is this. Love preserves us in him. It will keep us from certain spiritual troubles. Now, it won't keep us from all troubles because when we walk in this love, we'll get persecuted for living for the Lord. But it's worth it. But this love tells us that if we walk this way, we won't violate any of God's commandments. If we walk this way, we won't work ill to our neighbor. I mean, I know, I look back at my life, sometimes God deals with me and I see things, I go, ugh, <laughs> ugh. Anybody ever had that? Yuck. And uh, you go, well, I can do better going forward. Well, all those yucks were just me uh, working ill because I stepped out of love. So what do I need to do? Just keep growing. Keep walking in this. Amen? Well, we'll pick up here next week. But I hope that we think about letting, as a believer, no more you owe me's. And if I'm used to walking out of the way when somebody walks by me, then I need to act against that. I do. I, I need to act against that because I'm because love wouldn't have me do that. Now I'm not going to subject myself to you know if I'm a wife and you know I divorced my husband and he's calling me back and he keeps beating me and beating me and beating me you know and every time we go out on a date he slapped me around. Uh, that's not love to just subject yourself to that. So you don't want the wrong idea, but I may not subject myself to that, but I can keep myself from being bitter toward them. That's why it has to be this kind of love. 